get me. From Studio P, Sausalito, home of the hit, it's time for... Suckatash. The number one comedy podcast about comedy... Podcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast commentator, Mark Hershon. Yes, this am me, Mark Hershon, and you're listening to Epi 48 of Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast. I'm very excited about today's show. I'm usually excited about every epi, but sometimes I am more excited than other times, and this is one of those more excited times. Our special guests are Paul Bates, Lee Smart, and Nug Nargang, the cast of Illusionoid, one of my favorite podcasts out of Toronto, Canada. And by that, I don't mean to say I listen to a lot of Toronto-based podcasts, and they're one of my favorites from there. I mean to say that of all the podcasts on all the interwebs, Illusionoid is one of my favorites, okay? And we've got those boys on tap a little later in the show. We also have got our Bursto Durst with Will Durst today talking about tattoos. And more specifically, Lena Dunham's tattoos and what it may mean for our society. Uh, Plus, of course, we have clips. I'm going to start out by playing a few clips from shows right out of our Stitcher Top 10 Comedy Podcast Countdown, which we have been doing at the top of the show since the first of the year. As usual, not a lot of movement at the top of that chart, which is somewhat bothersome, especially given the nature of some of these shows. Are they really that entertaining? I guess so. But there's a lot of great comedy out there in podcast land, so I would love to see some of the other shows that we know and love, and maybe some more obscure ones that we don't know that much about yet, getting some attention. So do what you can, won't you? This week, there are a couple of new entries into the top 10. And since we've never featured them on Succotash, let's do that. And also one that's always lodged up near the top that we also have never played on the show. So rather than just a straight reading of the Stitcher Top 10 Comedy Podcast Countdown, Uh, I'm going to mix it up a little bit and throw in some clips of these shows we've never heard on Succotash before as we go. So at number 10 is one of the numerous offerings from Kevin Smith's Smodcast family of shows called Tell Em, Steve Dave. It uh, features Brian Quinn, Brian Johnson, and Walt Flanagan. Billed as two comic book men and an impractical joker uncensored, the origin of that title, Tell Him Steve Dave, is from a comic book store that Kevin Smith and Walt Flanagan used to go to, which was run by a guy who they could never quite remember if his name was Steve or Dave, so he just became Steve Dave. Just that simple. Uh, So, up three spots to number 10 this week on the Stitcher Top 10 Comedy Podcast Countdown. Here's a part of Tell Him Steve Dave's regular feature called Fat News. (laughs) <laughs> doctors biased against fat people. Doctors have similar levels of bias against people who are overweight as a general public. Uh, but they're not as likely to be aware of their own biases. The most striking thing is that physicians are like others in society. They hold negative attitudes about weight. Now, let me tell you something. I'm biased against fat people. Yeah. Then I'm a fat person. Yeah. Well, I don't know that you're, I mean, I know you're big. I'm big boned. But I, I mean, I guess what I when I look at him and be like, oh, he's fat. I don't know that I would. You're no. too you you're too tall, and you carry that biker look like too well for me to be like he's fat. You're too afraid to call me fat. No, I mean all I gotta do is run a mile per hour and I'll be fine. But That's I just true. <laughs> I just mean you look like you look like it's like you took the weight that you put on and you formulated it into a look that doesn't say fat person. It says biker or dangerous big guy. yeah like big guy right. all right 
it's the beard. You know what I mean? So I think that I, I think that you're fine. I mean, whatever. But you know, I'm I I you're one of my heroes in life. I you know I've loved you for mm-hmm. years and years. Uh, you know, not in a gay way. Although if I did, it would be fine. But uh, so maybe I'm just not seeing it. But yeah, you know. So I don't know. Nah. I think they mean the morbidly obese, right? The super fat. Yeah, the super fat. The hyper obese. Yeah, the folds. And the, you know, yeah. I, I'm sure that's not fun to deal with. There was a no. moment when I was in New Orleans with Sal last week, uh, and we went to this restaurant called Bournier or whatever, and, and like we were sat at a table, it was a nice table, and uh, this woman came in who needed a walker like with like the wheels on it to like, mm. to, like walk she was that she was that big and fat mm-hmm. um and like she sat next to us and it was like oh let me squeeze through then it was the walker next to me the entire time how old is she um i put her in a mid 40s yeah mid or too young to be that fat way too young way too young and i was just like and i don't even care if she's fat and goes about her business, but like, what? Why? Why is it gotta affect me? That's, no, her that's, business is you scooching in. Oh. Her business is you fucking bumping right. into her walker when you want to go to the bathroom. Right. Right. I mean, right. she's also. Go ahead. I don't know if this is related <laughs> to the fact that she's fat, um, but she's eating alone. Fat news has turned into a diet trap. <laughs> no, it's not. It's against this one woman. You overweight? No, not at all. Not at all. Because the Lord knows I'm overweight. I'm not saying that I'm not. I'm just like, but then she's eating alone. So now I'm talking to Sal, and I'm worried. Is this? Is she listening? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like. Oh, like if like you order something, she's gonna ask for a taste of it. Well, no, not like that. <laughs> it's <just> like. <laughs> Find some fresh. Tell them Steve, Dave. At uh, smodcast.com, iTunes, and of course on Stitcher Smart Radio, where you can also find Suckatash, your comedy podcast podcast. At number nine is the Church of What's Happening Now, hosted by Joey Diaz. This is another new show, and uh, we did feature Joey Diaz a few episodes ago uh, co-hosting a show. Uh, but this is uh, him sort of by himself. He often has guests, but this is all his show. Some people may be old enough to remember where the title of Joey Diaz's podcast, The Church of What's Happening Now, came from. It was a character that late comedian Flip Wilson did, the Reverend Leroy, and it was the name of his church that he would often refer to. Uh, Joey Diaz is a truth-to-power kind of guy who also seems heavily fueled by edible forms of marijuana. Uh, But he used to be into heavier stuff, as evidenced by this story he told on a recent episode. Uh, On Friday nights, we would all be coked up, and this fucking janitor would come in, and I would pickpocket him, and he'd have the pill jars. Yeah? There was one thing with all your pills in there. And he had volumes, and I'd take all the volumes, and i put the rest of the pills back in his pocket. He would just have that in his pocket? In his, in his winter jacket. Oh, Or God. in his pants. I would pickpock him. I, I'm a great pickpocket. <laughs> Not anymore. Back in the day, I used to practice. I had the dummy with the bells on it. I was fucking tremendously. I was going to be a professional pickpocket. You guys never heard about my pickpocket career, because the word on the street was like, my real dad was a tremendous pickpocket. He learned in Cuba. When he was a kid on the streets of Cuba with all the tourists. So when I was a kid, one of my godfathers came home once. He's like, ah, oh, teach me and your dad used to run the scam. There's a movie called uh, Harry in Your Pocket. It's old. I don't even think you can find it on Netflix. Let me look for it. And it's all about the art of pickpocketing. So I used to be a pickpocket. I loved it. Pickpocketing is the best. You work with a fucking another guy. You get a hot chick with big tits. You can make three, four grand a fucking hour. But not anymore because you got the ATM cards and shit. I gave up on it like 20 years ago. 73. Yeah, it's an old James movie. Coburn. Yeah. Michael Saracen. Michael Saracen and a chick. Um, Trish Van Devere. Who the fuck do these people think they're dealing with? I'm hitting you with fucking pick 
pocket in movies, but they got these movies, these shows about movies, and they know about they don't know about dick. You got to live it to fucking find these movies. Just because you go to some fucking art festival, don't know mean you know dick about a fucking movie. I'll take you deep into the murky waters of the underworld. So anyway. I'm robbing this guy for about a fucking two, three months. And finally, my buddies on Friday night were dependent on me. They would say, dog, you got to rob this fucking guy. So this time, I didn't rob him on a Friday. Yes, I did rob him on a Friday. I robbed him on a Friday, but he had none of the Valiums in there. He had these other white pills. So I gave the white pills to everybody, and I took some of myself. It looked like baby quaaludes. They looked just like Aurora uh, 714. And I didn't talk to anybody for like uh, two days. I slept. I went to bed Friday at like 4 in the morning, and I slept straight till I just burped a protein shake. I love it. I'm it with that fucking hemp. Let me tell you something, that hemp protein, that chocolate shit in the morning. It's 16 grams of protein. Put a banana in there, two fucking eggs. Ba-boom, motherfuckers. You're rocking and rolling. And let me tell you something about the strong bones. Let me tell you, I wanted to switch up the workout this week. So I went to yoga on, Tuesday, on Monday. I have not been to yoga in four fucking weeks because the, it was on Mondays, the holidays. And then the one week my wife had the fucking baby, yeah. I was in there. And then the other week something happened. The week before it was closed for some reason. So I didn't go to yoga for four Mondays in a row. I went to yoga on Monday, which is a killer the first time you go. I was dying. And I went to kickboxing yesterday with Coach Dave, who's more of a basic guy, a training guy. And let me tell you something. This morning, I'm not fucking sore. I may go to kickbox tonight, but I may not just because I got to do something Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I don't want to burn myself up early in the fucking week. Oh, shit. But i tell you why I'm not sore. It's that fucking strong bone. I take fucking four of those, two of those a fucking day with some water. Ba-boom. The other thing I'm doing with the water is I'm filling up the water jug and I'm putting it in the freezer. Completely different. Yeah. Complete difference in having water in the refrigerator and water in the freezer. And you take it out and you break that fucking thing like an Eskimo. You got to break that ice. You drink that cold water. Tremendous. The Church of What's Happening Now is up two spots to number nine, and you can dip into a pew at thechurchofwhatshappeningnow.libsyn.com, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. At number eight is Doug Loves Movies. At seven is Death Squad. At six is More Stories with Jay Moore. Five is The Nerdist. Uh, And four is NPR Car Talk Podcast. Now, One ongoing argument in this podcast field is what is the oldest podcast? Some people might say Ricky Gervais. Others think Jimmy Pardo. It's all a matter of perspective, I guess, because NBR runs their Car Talk podcast, and it has been going for more than 35 years on the radio. People love Click and Clack, otherwise known as Tom and Ray Magliazzi and their advice on automobiles. And this thing is sitting at number three in the top ten comedy podcasts on Stitcher. Number three. Now, I get that people love these guys, but here's the kick in the face to all those podcasters who are out there every week cranking out new episodes. Car Talk stopped producing new shows last October. Yeah, 35 years, but they don't make new ones anymore. So what you're hearing are old reruns of people calling in to ask Click and Clack about their old broken-down cars. Here. Try some car talk, won't you? Hi, we're back. You're listening to Car Talk with us, Click and Collect, the Tappet Brothers, and we're here to talk about cars, car repair, and the the answer to last week's puzzler. This was, I believe, an historic, folkloric, automotive, militaristic, I mean, all the elements, intriguing, woeful. I I vaguely remember it. Scientific. Yeah. Yeah, obfuscated. There was something about the guy praying over the car. Well, here it is. Yeah. Flashback to the summer of 42, the place, North Africa. 
The British are battling for control there against the Germans and the Italians. In one of the towns under British control, there's an Italian civilian named Tony Cardiello. Tony owns a trucking company, and the British demand that he uses trucks to transport their supplies. Tony refuses. Always willing to compromise, the British seize the trucks and throw Tony into a detention camp. Hmm. Flash ahead to the late 70s, and there's Edwin, who was the author of this little puzzler. Three years out of college, doing the only thing a political science grad could do to earn a living. Working at McDonald's. He's driving a truck. (laughs) 1978 was a cold winter, he says, and on many days the mercury was at minus 20 in the morning. Under those conditions, diesel engines, even the ones that had block heaters that were plugged in all night, didn't want to start. Now, the very same Tony Cardiello was the morning mechanic for this trucking company. He taught the drivers that when a truck wouldn't start, they shouldn't grind the battery down to nothing. They should try it for a few seconds and then leave enough juice for him to help them try again. And when they went crying to him about a truck that wouldn't start, his first question would be, did you bless the truck? <laughs> when they said, no, we didn't bless the truck, he'd walk over to it, face the bulldog ornament on the, on the hood of the truck, and sure. with a certain reverence, he'd make the sign of the cross and say, now you started the truck. And nine out of ten times, the thing would start right up. The strange part was that when the drivers tried this themselves, they blessed the truck, hop in, turn the key. It never started. Did Tony have some connection to God forged in his experience in the camp, or had he stored up so much of that North African heat that he was radiating it into the engines? He never let on. I I know the answer. He just blessed the truck and walked away, sure of his powers, saying, now you go. Good luck. I, I know what it is. Tony was a very heavy drinker. And when he stood in front of that truck and said, hey, that fumes from the Jim Beam that he had been drinking all, all morning went right into. That's, it was like starting fluid. It's like starting, it's like, just like starting. Yeah, well, you're fluid. close. Yeah. I am? <laughs> yeah. So well, the X factor here is yeah. time. A diesel engine requires or relies on the heat of compression to combust the fuel. Yes. So when it's minus 20 and you get out there and you turn the starter and it goes, rah, 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 you're compressing that ice-cold air but not getting it hot enough to start the engine because it won't get the mm. air temperature of that compressed air up to the ignition point of the fuel. Mm. And when these guys ran off to find Tony, time went by. And the friction that was inherent in the pistons going up and down on the cylinders let, gave a, had enough time to expand the pistons and the rings enough so that on the second try, the compression would be just enough so the thing would fire up. And that's why nine Nine out of 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 ten. ten. Exactly. You can listen to some old car hijinks at cartalk.com, iTunes, and Stitcher. And come on, people. Number three again this week, top ten comedy podcasts. Okay, comedy. Start listening and rating people. You think... People with, of the likes of Greg Fitzsimmons, Michael Ian Black, and Dave Anthony like getting their asses kicked every week by a couple of retired grease monkeys? Get up to Stitcher and thumbs up your favorites. That, that doesn't really sound very good. Thumbs up your favorites. But go ahead, thumbs them up them. Thumbs up, thumbs them up. Ugh. All right, no movement uh, in the top eight, really, this week. But the last uh, the last top three here, uh, WTF with Mark Merritt at number three, The Adam Carolla Show at number two, and number one again, on the top 10 comedy podcast at Stitcher Smart Radio, the Joe Rogan Experience. All right. Well, keep listening to Succotash. Besides more clips, I've got my interview with special guest Illusionoid just around the corner. 
This portion of Succotash is brought to you by Henderson's Breakaway Trousers. For the first time available to the public, Henderson's Breakaway Trousers are the ideal solution for you, whether you are a man suffering from weak bladder syndrome or premature ejaculation. How many times have you been running late for that important business meeting only to find that your bratty bladder doesn't care about snaps, buttons, zippers, and belts? And who hasn't been on that date of a lifetime with that hottie that everyone wants to bang? You'd like to make a good showing, but gosh darn it, those pesky spermatozoa want out, and they want out now. Friends, when you're sporting a pair of Henderson's breakaway trousers, you've got the confidence to know that you'll be down to nothing in no time at all. And before you can say, Jack Robinson, it's bombs away, and you're good to go. Originally designed for the military, the theater, and penitentiary, penitentiary, pe jails, Henderson's breakaway trousers are available online and wherever fine pants are sold. Available soon in women's styles, too. That's Henderson breakaway trousers. And now back to more of Succotash. Thanks, Bill Haywatt. We should be back in Studio P soon. Uh, in fact, uh, this episode of Succotash is coming once again from Studio F, uh, my car, my Fiat. Uh, but when we are back in Studio P, we'll be meeting up with that fine gentleman, Bill Haywatt, for yet another installment of Boozin' with Bill. And if you enjoy our featuring of clips, interviews with comedians, podcasters, and other showbiz folk, not to mention my rambling on in every episode, don't be afraid to let us know. You can do it for free by hopping up to iTunes, giving us stars and a nice tight review. You can also go to Stitcher Smart Radio and toss us a thumbs up. Or you can say it more substantially by visiting our home site, SuckatashShow.com, clicking on the donate button and shoveling some bucks our way. Doesn't need to be much. We're just trying to offset some production costs, the website charges, my meth habit, and a few other petty cash matters. It all goes through PayPal so you know it's safe. I'll even mention your name on the show as being a contributing producer of Succotash, and you can put that on your resume. The official blurb for Sloppy Seconds reads, San Francisco comedian Howard Stone and co-host Tom Sawyer discuss current events in this fast-paced comedy talk show with music. What it neglects to say is that Tom Sawyer has been a fixture in the San Francisco comedy scene for 30 years as the owner of Cobb's Comedy Club, and he's got about as many opinions as he, as he has had comedians cross the Cobb stage. When I ran the Riffingtons Improv Group uh, for several years as the Cobb's House Improv Group, Tom was in our cast as well, they recently had Bay Area comedian Johnny Steele drop in on the Sloppy Second Show with Howard and Tom, and as you can hear, Johnny is a little hard to keep reined in. Well, if, if you know anything about history, in the last, like, 30 years, the greatest shift of wealth ever seen has gone. The middle class in America has disappeared, and all the money has been taken by the right, the richest, mostly right-wing 1%. Yeah. We've launched two illegal wars, two completely internationally recognized as illegal wars, costing trillions and trillions of dollars. People have been snagged, Americans and other citizens, snagged off the streets of, 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 of countries around the world and taken to Uzbekistan and tortured. Uh, here's a question. When are the guns coming out? When, when, when are you going to start fighting? Uh, they stole your schools. They defunded everything. They took all the money. They shipped the jobs to the Far East. When are the 
Guns coming. What are you waiting for? Yeah. When they take, uh, you know, Dancing with the Stars off the air? That's when, What are you waiting for? This yeah. is it, folks. If you're going to storm Washington with your weaponry, once again, the FCC might be listening. I'm not encouraging that. I'm just saying <laughs> what you're, you're talking about some uprising. There has been an uprising. The middle class is eviscerated. I grew up in a blue-collar town in the East Bay of, area of San Francisco, and you can graduate from a decent high school. My high school turned out pro athletes, uh, uh, top-notch music, jazz musicians, and everything else. And you can walk across the street and get a job at a mill, this steel mill or one of these other factories, if you wanted to. And within a couple of years, you can get a journeyman program uh, internship there and learn to be a pipe fitter, a steam fitter, a welder, an electrician, whatever. And within two or three years, you had enough money to buy a house and raise a family with union benefits. All mostly gone, gone. It's all gone. What are you waiting for? Where's the guns? Bring them out. <laughs> Bring yeah. them out. This yeah. is no worse than if the government marched into your house or, well, more likely Wall Street watched, marched into your house or no worse than if the Russians took over. I mean, everybody I know is looking for a job. Everybody I know is worried that if they somebody in the family gets cancer, they're going to lose their house if they've saved 30 or 40 years. Where are the guns? Bring yeah. them out. I'm but waiting. Everybody's like a paycheck or two away from disaster, uh, you know, uh, disaster, yeah. you know, and and what and exactly what 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 is the scenario that you guys are waiting, waiting for? for? They're waiting for hel- they're waiting for helicopters and soldiers on the street. Well, okay, okay. That, which which is which is what not going to happen. Well, the the martial law is what they've been trying to get for like the past. Well, sure. Okay, let me present. Even, even since me, Bush administration, he was pushing for the martial law. Okay, you know? so, but look, uh, there's two two things about that. Let's assume it happens. Uh, first of all, <laughs> the only thing right wingers love is the military. Oh, government can't do anything. Government never had a decent business plan. Government sucks. Government. I love the military. The greatest thing in America is the military. Who do you think is going to come to your door? Who do you think is going to come to your door? The military, an 18-year-old kid that you, this only thing you love, the only thing that gives you wood in, about America is our powerful military. So this 18-year-old kid who couldn't get a job with a Piggly Wiggly in Nebraska or wherever right. is going to come to your door. First of all, are you going to shoot him? Uh, and second of all, no, because you're going to be in there with a rifle. Do you know what we have militarily? <laughs> you, they, can, they can look and see what, your, what cards you have in your hand in your basement from outer space with a, with a satellite. You think you're going to come out there with a pot belt? and a 1.2 blood alcohol level yeah. on old Milwaukee. And beat <laughs> you guys, wake up. Dream world. First of all, what are you waiting for? The jobs are gone. Uh, you know, I saw this figure a while back. The majority of people in America who file for personal bankruptcy file, file for health reasons. And among those people, the majority, this is the really weird fact, the majority had health insurance. So what happens is, you know, this is, of course, before the horrible Obamacare. What happens is you pay for insurance for 30 years and then right. you get an affliction and you don't realize your copay on a treatment's a $100. And, well, you need that treatment every day, whether it's radiation yeah. or whatever. So, you get it every yeah. day for, for 30 days. Well, now you're out of work, so you have no money, but you also are paying now an extra $3,000 a month. And co- well, then people go under. So people have insurance and then they go bankrupt. Get your sloppy seconds at podfeed.net and on iTunes. Hello, everybody. Are you bored? Bored of the same podcasts? Bored of the same formats? Bored of the same chats? Bored of the same annoying American accents? Alien, this is being broadcast on an American show. Right. Well, if you are, then I suggest you turn that dial, tune in, turn in, drop out, subscribe via iTunes, or listen via Stitcher Radio to The Bitter Sound with me, the host, Mr. Davian Dent. You'll find surreal audio with a little bit of chat and some weird bits thrown in between for good measure. For more details, 
go to www.thebittersound.com. Hey, it's only a podcast, but join me. Here's a podcast that's known by slightly different titles depending on where you look for it. On its home site, it's Talking Shit with Jim Jeffries and Eddie Ift. Or sometimes Talking Shit with just Eddie Ift. Sometimes Jim Jeffries' name isn't on there. I don't know why. Uh, or sometimes you may see it as Jim and Eddie Talk Shit. On iTunes, to get past the censorship on titles, it's called Talks Hit with Eddie Ift. Whatever you call it, it's just past 200 episodes, so something is working. I will warn you right now that this show is not for the meek. This particular episode, they have comedian Greg Wilson dropping by, and the stories are, quite frankly, a little rough. Definitely not safe for work. Although, if you've been listening to Suckatash at work out loud, something's wrong with you because a lot of these shows are pretty salty. But there is a crude hilarity and sense of fun to talking shit with Eddie Ift and Jim Jeffries, or Jim Jeffries and Eddie Ift. Uh, up until the moment, that is, until Eddie, in this cut, shits his pants. Yes, I said that. But you will have to listen to hear it said again, this time by Greg Wilson. Who's your coke dealer? Let's get him on the phone. My local guy? Yeah, let's get him on the phone. Okay. Can we record him? Can we I do don't a know. <laughs> Just don't use any names or nothing. Let's I don't know awesome. if we can or not. Yeah. I'd be awesome if Machete's phone started ringing. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me. No, I don't yeah, want oh, to ruin my joke. You ruined my joke. I was going to go, hold on, let me get my coke dealer. Machete. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, uh, so anyways. Let's, let's get some MDMA. Yeah, we should all do it. Pure Molly. Right now. Well, tomorrow. No, then it's over. I, I want to do it right now. <laughs> I'm waking up early. Do you do MDMA? She has a job. Is that one of the things you yeah, do? Yeah, I'll do MDMA. I'm playing volleyball I'm tomorrow. I'm at a volleyball league. I've I play heard. a doubles. That doesn't don't you help. Like, uh, that doesn't don't you play like a celebrity league? Rumors. <laughs> what? Oh. Uh, that doesn't do anything to spell them lesbian rumors. Yeah, my ex-wife. I play, I play volleyball, but only because it's the winter. Softball season. <laughs> oh, and, oh, my God. Did you shit your pants? Shit. You shit your pants. I think Eddie shit his pants. <laughs> oh, my God. It smells like shit, motherfucker. Ah. 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 Eddie. Eddie. Ah. Eddie just Eddie, shit God. his fucking pants on the show. And you thought the beer on the couch was bad. Oh my god! Oh. <laughs> Look, it's a little wet spot. There's a tiny little wet spot. Oh. For those of you who've just tuned in, Eddie had Eddie to leave. Eddie had to shit his face. He shorted. <laughs> he thought he was trying to be cool, and like he was gonna, like he wanted to get the fart on the mic, but it wasn't quite coming, Again, so he squeezed my down. My point is proven every time. Every time. What's your point? I just Jim, wish. Jim has shit on the mic. I need a new mic. Is what I was saying. No, I what I what I'm wishing here. is that I was quick enough with my fucking camera to get that look on his oh, face. Oh, he got it. He caught it. Oh, he, he had, caught it. Did you see the fear in his eyes? That's the best part about shit. The best part it was genuine, and you know he's such a bullshitter. When it is genuine, <laughs> it's so nice. It's so rare. Like, holy fuck, you fucked yourself. There you finally did look it. You fucking fucked yourself. He had that look on his face like his car actually just got stolen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's like, someone fucking stole my car. There's a fucking prank who stole my fucking car. <laughs> he just fucking shit his pants. At least yeah. it happened at his house. Yeah. Uh, only one left. Lindsay, you got to follow through. Mm-mm. Because I've done it more Lindsay, than once. Don't. I just you don't never... have to compromise you yourself like this. It's enough so to much. be in this room. Right? Thank yes. you. Yes, you've done more than enough. Plus, 
A fellow by the name of A.M. is the host of the D.C. A.M., which comes out of Washington, D.C. You see, D.C. A.M. In a most recent episode, A.M. and a friend, the podcast home site's a little devoid of names, uh, as a lot of these home sites for podcasts tend to be. They ventured to the Music and Gaming Festival, or MAGFest, in Washington, D.C., in search of some costumed weirdos running amok in our nation's capital. Here they've cornered a dude dressed like NCO from the Assassin's Creed video games. This is the DCAM podcast. What's happening, NCO? Um, you mean real, honest real name or honestly just NCO? I don't know. All I know is you have a weapon coming out of your sleeve. So you can go by whatever name you want to. I'm cool with that. Oh, hell, I'll give you my real name. Real name's Ricardo. But go ahead and call me Ezio all you want. I'm going to call you Ezio. Now, Ezio. As I understand it, there are some costume contests here at the show, MAGFest. Yep. How many years have you been coming to MAGFest? This is actually my first one. This is our first MAGFest? Yeah. Welcome. Welcome. What do you think of it? You. It is awesome. Where, it. where are you from originally? I'm from Virginia, Northern Virginia. And, and, and how long has that wedding band you're ringing held your keys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as far as I know, Itzio is a single man. But no, it's been like that, been there all day. Or, sorry about that. It's been here all day, and I've honestly put it on since day one, Thursday. All right, we have an explosive Jerry Springer, but we have your wife. No, we don't. I'm sorry. We don't. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm sure you've been up to terrible shit, Itzio. Now, but what do you think of, what have you been doing? Have you mostly been going to board games, playing arcade games? Have you been doing the cosplay stuff? What have you been doing? I mean, this is the first time I've ever cosplayed. Apparently, it's going really well. I think honestly, me, I've seen some very shitty costumes. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Your costume is amazing. I'm all the way from the costume, like we need to get fucking Assassin's Creed over here because everyone else here is fucking like a half a Mario, and I have no time. <laughs> I have no time for half a Mario. I want fucking full on fucking Assassin's Creed up in this shit. Just pedophiles with Mario tails. Absolutely. It really is. It's an excuse to grow out the <laughs> yeah, mustache. Yeah, it's a really. lot of very young vaginas. And I mean, look. Look, there's some titties out there. Right. I don't care how bad they look if they're titties. Hey, exactly. You dress up as Ezio, though. I mean, you're going to go farther than Mario will so far. It's true. Yeah, fuck. Probably. Hey, Ezio, can we agree? Fuck, <laughs> fuck Mario, right? Say it. No, Say it aloud. hear it. Fuck Mario. That's oh, right. Yeah. Fuck Mario. <laughs> All right, here's what we do. I'm going to give you a card. This is the podcast. This will be airing soonish. That has want, important contact Your job tonight is to kill as many people and then tell them as they're done. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I'm gonna play, we're going to play Connect Four. You're going to play one move. I'm black, you're red. You can't do two in a row. You're two in a row. Did I do one? Yeah. yeah. Oh, fuck. All right, you know what? I'm sorry. It's, it's you on you. You go red, any move you want. We're going to play one move at a time. And then you, and then we'll find somebody else, and they'll play the next move. Okay. And then eventually, I'll win because I'm amazing. But until that moment, it's on you. So no pressure. No pressure. You're the first move. Not at all. I'm a little frightened of his weapons. Right. Seriously. Uh, I just want you to know that if I lose, you are in good distance. I don't care much for your equipment. <laughs> <laughs> I respect that. <laughs> I'm cool with it. I'm all right, sorry, there we bro. go. Ah, good times. Catch more of the DCAM at thedcam.com, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio, which is where you can incidentally catch episodes of Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast. Oh, hear that sound? Yes, it's time for the tweet sack. And first off, we have an actual email in the tweet sack this episode from comedian Louis C.K. I am so 
excited. But before you get too excited, I don't think I was the only one to get this email. But it is addressed to me, Mark Hershon, so I'm choosing to take it as if it were Louie reaching out to me personally, and I would like to share that email with you now. Hello, just a fair warning that the below email is unnecessarily long, misspelled, and the crucial information regarding tickets to my shows in London, Stockholm, and Oslo is way down toward the bottom, but it's easier to write this disclaimer than to edit the whole email. Even this disclaimer is too long. Oh well, here begins the actual email. Dearest recipient of this email, I hope that as you are reading this, you are in health and spirit. I hope that you are having fine luck and that you feel positive and joyful about your life. Of course, I suppose that not all of you that are reading this are feeling well, lucky, or happy. Seeing as this email goes out to about a quarter of a million people, oh, he really doesn't single me out, does he? The odds that all of them are having a terrific day are very low. I would say at least 32,462 of you are just having the worst day ever. The kind of day where when someone smiles at you, you really want to punch them right in their stupid mouth. And here now, you're getting an annoying email from that comedian you used to like, but enough already with that guy anyway. Well, in any case, hello to all of you. I'm writing for a reason which will mean nothing to any of you who don't live in the British Isles or Scandinavia. I am writing to let you know I am coming to London on March 20th and March 21st to do some live shows. I am playing the Zero Two Arena, O2? the O2 Arena on Wednesday, the 20th of March, and the Hammersmith Apollo on Thursday, the 21st of March. Tickets for those shows are available right now at louisck.net. I'll be performing in Oslo, Norway at the Oslo Spectrum on Friday, the 22nd of March. Tickets to that show are available at 11 o'clock Oslo time, also on louisck.net. I'm also coming to Stockholm, Sweden on the 23rd of March, where I will be at the Globe Arena. Tickets to that show are available also on louisck.net, but not until 12 noon Stockholm time. The reason for this staggered release of tickets, as you probably know, is a very strict Swedish law that requires all things that happen in Sweden to happen two hours after the same thing happens in London and one hour after it happens in Norway. So sorry if this is awkward, it's really out of my hands. Lastly, Jesus, you must hate me by now. I would like to mention that my FX series, Louis, will be airing in England and other parts of the UK, uh, the Fox Network, Tuesdays at 9 p.m. For those of you who are not in the region of the world that is addressed in this email, I am really, really kind of barely not at all sorry for wasting your time, but I wish you all well. Isn't that nice of me? Kind regards, Louis C.K. So that's nice. We got a letter from Louis C.K. Fantastic. Um, maybe we'll have him on the show one of these days. <laughs> uh, I'm touched that the guy's able to sit down and compose that, given his busy schedule, and take the time to email me. I... I need a moment. Here's some music from Bonanobo. Hello, people of the internet. Hello. Um, we would like to thank you very much for listening to the Bonanobo show. Yes, yes. And <laughs> as a way of gratitude, we are going to sing you a song um, <laughs> with the help of a band that I've left in Oboe's capable hands of organising. Mm, yes. So what's this band like? Are they any good? Um, the fact that you spent... Most of the studio budget on alcohol, <laughs> namely whiskey. Yeah, okay. Uh, no, the band isn't very good, no. Right, so who did we get? Well, with the money available, mm. unfortunately, yeah. it's the Butter Sound Orchestra. Oh, God, really? Mm -hmm. Those drunken idiots? Yes. Is that really all we could afford? I'm afraid so, uh, yes. Oh, well, I suppose they'll have to do. Yes, they will. So, without any further ado, <laughs> we would like to introduce... 
There ain't no pleasing oboe. Yes. With the Bonanova Show and the Butter, Butter Sound, Sound Orchestra. Which I thought was right But you never cared about it Now no. I've seen the light Uh oh though What? There ain't no pleasing you Well Because you seem to think That everything I ever do is wrong Well you do I should have known it All along <laughs> Oh Bon Yes There ain't no pleasing you Hmm you only have to say one word Really? And then we can use it In the show Right, well you drag me here where you want me Right And then you abuse it Yes, but everything What? I've ever done mm. Is always done for you Really? But then you Just go and do Just what you want to do I'm telling you You're Telling me what? That I ain't gonna be made to look a fool no more <laughs> Okay You've done it once too often But that's what you're here for See what oh, I mean? Oh, um, What? There ain't no pleasing you No Because you seem to think I really care what your opinions are Of course But in truth I couldn't give a toss Well, that's going a bit far Oh, bomb. <laughs> what? There ain't no pleasing you. <laughs> now there's no need to be absurd. Why? Because I always knew it. You always knew what? That you'd record a show with me. Ah. And, and help, help you through it. it. Now everything we, we ever do. It's only done for you guys, the podcast listeners. So now you can read and review the show on iTunes. And Stitcher too. Ooh, look at you. <laughs> and if you think we don't mean what we say and we're only bluffing, yep. then download the show and find out yourself. It'll cost you nothing. <laughs> so, so now we're, we're going to be leaving. Strike a light. What a carry on. You know what you've got to have a banana do. Suppose. Come on, Obo. What? Let's get out of here. Okay. So that's what Bon and Obo are up to instead of releasing new episodes of their podcast. You can find them at bonandobo.podomatic.com and on iTunes. Believe it or not, we have another email in the tweet sack. That's two in one week. A new record. This one is actually just to me or more correctly, to Succotash. <clears throat> and I quote, Succotash, I, peaches and hot sauce, saw your post earlier today about an MP3 clip, so I thought I would drop you a five-minute segment from one of my podcast episodes. I, 
Brian Ells, host a man-on-the-street type of show in Chicago called Yaya in conjunction with Peaches and Hot Sauce Productions. Freelancing as a producer, I was able to help Greg Galina, creator and writer of, film, of the film Meet the Parents, execute a TV pilot as I caught up with him after the shoot. We talked some interesting topics, including how the hit movie Meet the Parents originally started as a two-minute comedy sketch. I have some other unique clips, which I will be happy to pass along. Thank you for sharing new and fresh talent with your network of talented individuals. Thanks, Brian Ells. So without further ado, here's a clip from Yaya. The last name. How do you pronounce that, the last name? Uh, Vienna. That's it. What, Italian? Gliena. Yeah, it's Italian. I, I, mine's Ellis. E-L-L-E-S, but I get L's all the time. Well, you know what's funny is it's supposed to be Gliana, G-L-I-O-N-N-A, but at Ellis Island... Uh, they made a mistake on the thing, so the O became an E, so... Really? Now it's Gliana, yeah. And the grandparents, how long ago did they come through? Because mine did the, the same uh, thing. Uh, you know, early 10s, I think. Uh, early 10s, uh, okay. Last century, yeah. Mine were 40s, so... They're, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're modern, I yeah, guess, yeah, immigrants, yeah, yeah. Well, no, but it was Elish for mine, and they dropped it for... to become more Americanized. Uh, so, Ukrainian. But anyways... They failed. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> exactly. No one can pronounce my name, but appreciate you taking a couple of minutes here at, Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, with Brian. That, that's what it is right now. And, you know, the big aspect here on a shoot with your pilot and whatnot. And mm -hmm. first of all, thank you for letting me be a part of it and yeah, help no produce problem. behind the scenes you're, for You're it. a lot of help. Thank you, thank you. And uh, just an exciting thing. It sounds like you started this pilot out in L.A. before? Uh, no, we just we shot a few uh, test kind of songs. But this is just a little uh, little music thing that we're trying. Okay. And, uh, I mean, you were really a, quite the musician, I might say. Oh, thank you. Thank and you. singer. It's, and, it's, and not my, it's not my bread and butter, but thank you. Yeah, well, when did that all start? Or? Uh, no, I've been playing my whole life. I have a very musical family. My brother plays piano. My mom is a singer. So, so it runs in the family. This yeah, is a, a natural much. transition. And yeah. not to get too personal, I think you might keep some of the pilot under wraps. But, uh, I mean, with that, yeah, you know, the next stages are editing and, of course, the seeing if any of it cuts together and matches, yeah. And then how does the process work from there for some of those listeners that don't know? Uh, would it really be knocking on the door? The oh, I have no idea. It won't be, won't be me yeah. doing anything with it. My my job ends when it's cut together. So. Oh, okay. So I give it to a manager, per se, yeah. and then let them run with it? But I, I have some film things that I'm working on that are taking up more of my time. Oh, really? Excellent. Yeah. Anything that you could share or that dive in or not? Uh, well, I got, a, I got a script that uh, I might possibly be directing for ABC Family. Uh, we're waiting on Jennifer Love Hewitt to read it right now. And if she wants to do it, then it'll get made with ABC Family. So oh, Beautiful. And yeah. script writing is all your past is, too, for some of the listeners uh, that don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's, that's where I actually make money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, Meet the, the Parents uh, it was yeah, a, a big one, correct? The first big one right right but uh with that though i mean there's a lot that went behind the scenes that i saw too of actually getting that made up by starting in in chicago and yeah we made it as a low budget independent film and uh it played the music box in town it played a couple art houses around the country did very well in london got great reviews and it was actually seen by steven soderbergh the director who who said you know this should be a big studio really because my art film was very low budget and 16 millimeter uh and it's dark too everyone dies in the end but <laughs> but he uh, he said, this, no, this should be a big Hollywood movie, and he was right. So he took it into Universal, and then years went by, and then it came out. Uh, he was going to direct it, but it came out with it, with Jay Roach directing. Because uh, it seems it's quite the roadmap, too, from where you can yeah, conceptualize yeah. something. Yeah. And how long did it take you to write Meet the Parents, the first one there? A month. Really? <laughs> it, was, it was the quickest thing. Yeah, because I had gone to my friend Emo Phillips, who the comedian Emo Phillips, who put up the money for it. And I told him I had this idea. I'd done a short called The Vase that was like two minutes long that was just me knocking over a girlfriend's family's vase. 
And uh, I said I had this idea for making a feature, so he said, well, write it. If it's, if I like it, I'll put money up. So, you know, threw it together in like a couple months, and he ended up putting money into it, and that's how it got made. Wow. What was the, the page range of the first copy? There was oh, under 90? Yeah, it was like 80-some pages or something. And yeah. probably what turned out at the end, probably what, around 120 or so, I guess? Or no, the, the movie, it was a short movie. It, ran, it, ends, it ends up running around 80 minutes. Oh, really? Yeah, so, it's okay. very short. Yeah. And it seems like you had a lot of the creative control still. Oh, yeah. Uh, a part of the script there. Yeah. And a lot of folks think when you write it, you take it off, and people are going to change it. But it's not Well, that like, happens when you have studio films and big budgets but this was a thirty thousand dollar film so we had no one no notes no rewrites no and this came out from a real story of yourself by knocking over a girl's face or this is a no it just came out a funny saw. scene yeah just okay. a, a sketch that i i did so and you have a lot of ties with chicago and improv community and yeah and i did stand up here for years yeah. stand up for as well oh, oh yeah yeah for years yeah always been a chicago midwest guy yeah, i just played the laugh factory last weekend that's oh, what I, that's what i was in town for oh beautiful yeah, yeah that's brand new here in chicago yeah. they finally yeah, yeah. got it open you know, they're talking months on that one but right. no it's beautiful here and i'm a big fan i love it first yeah. of all i do a lot of screenwriting myself with the yeah. couple of, uh, with the writers guild and working on a couple more myself too oh, so great. definitely look up to see how that uh transition and, and flows but uh mm -hmm. yeah, Definitely appreciate the time, though, Greg. Thank you very much. Oh, my much. pleasure. Yeah, thank you. That sounds like a show worth checking out. Yaya with Brian Ells. Find it at peachesandhotsauce.com, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. In the distant future, humanity will be annihilated by its greatest creation, a half-mad living computer called Illusionoid. A lone survivor sends cryptic messages backwards through time, desperate to warn of the deadly danger to come. Will you heed these warnings? Move a little closer to your time radios. That's it. Just like that. Good. For what you're about to hear may change the future and ultimately spare mankind from the monstrous menace of... Illusionoid. Tonight's transmission. All right, let's get into this chat. I was able to catch up with Paul Lee and Nug, still the best name in podcasting, Nug Nargang, at Illusionoid Studio in Toronto just before they recorded last week's transmission. And I think a comment that was made during our chat about the fact they focus on sci-fi specifically and not fantasy, that they'll never do dragons, helped to hatch that particular episode. I'll slide over to a clip partway through when dragons get mentioned and you tell me. Without further ado, here is my talk via Skype with Illusionoid. So I have on the line from Toronto, uh, two of the three members of Illusionoid. How are you guys doing this morning? We're feeling great. Yeah, doing great. The third should be here. He's chronically late. Yeah, Excellent. yeah, yeah. So we've got it's Lee time. Smart. It's a time issue, which is part of the Illusionoid mystique anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, why don't you guys introduce uh, yourselves so listeners will know by your voice who we're talking to. Okay, so uh, my name is Lee Smart, and uh, you'd recognize me. I do uh, the intro off of the top of Illusionoid, and uh, I'm one of the uh, the key three. Uh, there's three of us, so uh, yeah, that's me. And uh, this is, uh, as Mark says, the greatest name in podcasting, Nug Nargang. <laughs> uh, and I do the uh, credits at the end of the show, um, uh, the, you know, the main editing for the show. Absolutely. And, uh, and lots of the scheduling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and most re uh, recently, uh, a pleasure god, if I'm not mistaken, a pleasure lord. 
Yes, the pleasure. <laughs> yes, on pleasure lords. Yes. Yeah, that was one of the ones we uh, we had. Uh, very lucky to have our guest, who's a friend of ours too, Colin Mockery, who everybody knows from Whose Line Is It Anyway, and he's quite the uh, you know the upper tier celebrity, if I can say that, here in, in uh, Canada. And uh, he came down to uh, the Second City one day when we were uh, recording down there, and uh, sat in with us for a few. So we got a few from from him, and he's uh, he's just great. He's so funny. Well, let's get back to uh, to Colin in a bit because uh, he is. Uh, it's always fun when he's on the show. But uh, uh, most of my regular listeners must be familiar with you by now because uh, you guys are one of my favorite uh, podcasters out there. I think I love uh, your show. Oh, great. <laughs> that's Thank so, you. so nice of you to say that. Thank you so much. I've uh, been uh, trying to promote you as best I can. Uh, I think uh, I was talking to Nug about. At one point, trying to put in a word for you guys with uh, Sketchfest here in San Francisco. Yeah, actually, we got into the uh, the Improv Fest. Uh, we actually got into it, but then due to a scheduling conf- yeah. conflict, we couldn't go. So now we're on like the for sure list for next year. So yeah, if this yeah. works, we'll get into the next one. Yeah, oh, absolutely. that'll be great. Excellent. Have, great to have you guys down in our city for uh, Ma- for a bit. All it's here. I just heard the doorbell. Yeah, go yeah. Do you want to grab him? Yeah, let me go. I'll, okay. I'll go grab him. I'll no. cover. I'll I'll handle this while you're gone. Oh, thank God he's gone, Mark. Oh my God. I'm so Good. sick of sharing time with these guys. <laughs> oh, they're well, here. Oh, Paul's here. Oh, great. Okay, great. Chronically late. Chronically late. That's Chronically late. <laughs> How fitting. How fitting. Ah, hello. Hi there, uh, Mark Hershon here, and uh, just joining uh, Lee and Nug is Paul Bates. Yes. So uh, the, the Illusionoid is complete. Yes, yes, yes. we're all here. Triumvirate. Now, is it <laughs> the Illusionoid, or is it just Illusionoid? Just Illusionoid. Yeah, yeah. capital I, Illusionoid. <laughs> I think capital everything. Yeah, it's yeah. totally capital everything with a couple yeah. of exclamation marks. Uh, well, one of the reasons uh, I, I am so drawn to your show is uh, I've been doing improv for over 30 years myself, and I've taught improv, wow. and I've performed up and down the West Coast. Uh, actually cut my teeth in Seattle and uh, worked some, uh, with some of uh, the guys from Canadian theater sports way back in the early 80s. Oh, cool. Who, name drop. Who, who'd you work with? Do you remember? Uh, a young man named Ryan Stiles, as a matter of fact, wow. was uh, on the stage of the comedy club I used to manage in Seattle. Wow, uh, fantastic. So I got to play with him, yeah. <laughs> you don't know who that is? Yeah, 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 no. Anyway, so one of the things that uh, I, I really like about the show and I'm sort of envious of is you found this framework to do improv that has really kind of a tight frame around it. Let, uh, it allows you to do kind of whatever you want to do within that framework. So how did it first come about? You guys came up with the idea. Well, uh, I... Uh... I listen to a, a, too many podcasts, far too many myself, and uh, I, uh, I'm really drawn to the ones that are creative as opposed to just a straight-up interview. Not that there's anything wrong with the interview ones. They're all very informative and interesting, but I really like the ones that are creative. You get to do sure. more stuff. And uh, we had just done this Globehead Improv Tournament. We've done it twice mm-hmm. and, um, and won it twice, or three times. Yeah, we for three. sure, we've won it twice. We've won it twice, yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> And we end up, when we improvise, we end up doing these short scenes, like anywhere 10 to 20 minutes, that are all sci-fi based. And I remember the one, because we're all sci-fi nerds, and I remember the one year we we don't know what we're doing. Every scene is doomsday. We just said that. (laughs) And then so we steered every scene towards a horrible thing happening, and it turned out really well for us. And so I thought if we could record that, It'd be great, and then let's add some sound effects after the fact, and we can make some, you know, radio type shows. Yeah. And then after we had recorded a bunch, we came up with this idea of like a 
inner sanctum or a twilight zone with a host, this character, this last man in the universe who Paul is. Yeah. And, um, and uh, Paul, whatever we do, we can do the intro of the la- of this last survivor after the fact and then make it make sense for the show. <laughs> but, but as far as the framework of the show goes, it's just an anthology show like um, Tales from the Crypt or Inner Sanctum. Yeah. 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 Periodically, we try to drop and pepper in like, you know, callbacks and details about other other episodes. Paul's really good at sort of, you know, finding little things and uh, phrases and stuff to drop in that uh, people go, oh, I heard that, you know, three podcasts ago. And, oh, that's that same character yeah. again, you know, let yeah. Nug drop in like, you know, is uh, – well, if you heard the Pleasure Lords, you know, the Sanchez character, yes. it's just very different <laughs> than that one. Well, and uh, we say they're callbacks, but it's yeah. just us not having yeah. other names in our back pocket. That's it. You know, <laughs> at some point, every one of us has been Professor Carstairs. Exactly. So. <laughs> well, like I said, I've done improv for 30 years, so believe me, I've uh, seen characters uh, over the years uh, mature, be handed around. <laughs> Yes, I think that's the great thing about it. You know, I, I love uh, I love the fact that you can, uh, if you're the character you love, you could just put him in any in any time or place at all in this podcast. You know, <laughs> the great thing about what you said about the tight framework is kind of a deception because the framework is anything that happens in the universe throughout time. It's actually, I guess, it's more actually like. Uh, like throwing a something up against the wall and then putting a frame around it and going, look, it fits. Yeah, exactly. Totally, much, totally. Yeah. yeah, and I think our only working premise is that it has to have some kind of science fiction mysterious element to it that uh, that keys into this whole the world has ended and now this is a you know part of the clue as to why yeah, things have come like apart. We've know? done time travel. We've done just straight up science. We've done space stuff. We've done uh, haunted house. Totally. Like so, all of these things fit in that framework yeah. somehow. Yeah. 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 The only thing that hasn't fit is is the idea of fantasy because it doesn't really exist in. So it somehow does not exist in the world that we created. Yes, it's all. That's yeah, true. there's no dragons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, no dragons, dragons yet. Yeah. Well, never, ever, ever. Oh, well, dragon. Oh okay. my god. Okay. Right? So, you heard it here. I have no idea. So <laughs> today's the day that's happening. That's a line in the hypersand. So on the maps of the world, it doesn't say there be dragons on the edge. It just <laughs> says there be no dragons. There yeah. just weren't dragons. Yeah. <laughs> How did the three of you guys originally meet? Uh, let's see. I met Lee at uh, Big City Improv, which was a little theater on Queen Street. It's like a pizzeria now. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, and then we both kind of know, stayed in touch, did stuff, and then and then we met again at Second City um, when we, where we were working together. And meanwhile, well, we were in university together. Too. Yeah, Bates and I were at university at the same time, though we didn't hang out. No, okay. we knew. Something- people but yeah. we didn't talk or hang out yeah and then uh, it was a feud right yeah we yeah. <laughs> a, real, a real cold war a real cold war <laughs> yeah and then uh while they were both working at second city i got hired into the touring company in the understudies mm-hmm. and so uh, for some reason i think politically you left and then i got moved up oh me yes yeah, so yeah. then yeah, yeah. we never shared a stage together right. but i used to understudy <laughs> other people's parts in shows that paul was in yeah. so <laughs> Paul, yeah, and then uh, Paul and Lee wrote a play, right, right, called Overlords. Oh yes, yeah, uh, about aliens living in an apartment together, trying to pass as humans. <laughs> right. You guys wrote me in as the landlord, Mister Furper, yes. who was half early, half Roper. That's right. <laughs> and then 
and uh, and then from there, it's just if we ever were doing anything, it'd be like, oh, I'm putting together this show. I'm going to call these guys, and they'd call me. You guys did a we did another show together about three guys trying to write Lord of the Rings. Yes. As a yeah. As a musical, it was a. It, the premise was it was a one-hour version of adapting the Lord of the Rings <laughs> from a, from the three books into a one-hour musical. And it was the guy who lived yeah. downstairs named Gary, who was actually the Gollum character. <laughs> I kind of the uh, Frodo and Sam trying to adapt this thing. Yeah. And the, the the kind of the joke we have running for ourselves is Overlords was a single word with an exclamation mark. Uh, Rings was a single title with an exclamation mark. And when we worked at Globehead doing those things, we thought a good idea for the name of what we were doing was dystopia with an exclamation mark. <laughs> this whole thing, as Doug uh, was talking about as well, all ties into this, what, we, uh, what we've been doing here. So we've worked together a ton. When you look back at it, it was like we've... And lots of Second City corporate stuff. Tons. We've worked a ton okay. of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's a, your overlord's uh, idea reminds me of uh, a pitch I've been tr- throwing around occasionally. Uh, I call slow invasion about ah. a guy, an alien who's on Earth. He looks just like an alien, but nobody, <laughs> but nobody notices. He's got a human girlfriend that's a complete bitch. And uh, at the end of every episode, he reports back to a home planet. And based on whether he had a good or bad experience, he's either trying to rush the invasion or slow it down. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, you know what? Get here as soon as you can. (laughs) That's that's really funny. I want to see that made. (laughs) It blows my mind. I don't know if you've heard of this cartoon called Invader Zim. Have you heard of that show? I've not, Uh, no. So I never heard of it either. And then I was over at my... um, uh, my sister-in-law's house, and, and she's got two kids, and one of them is a, a 10 or 11, and he's just crazy about the show Invader Zim, and he couldn't stop talking about it. Huh. And I think the reason it came up is because we did this Illusionoid show with Billy West from Futurama. Oh, yeah. And I guess, yeah, and Billy West did a voice on Invader Zim. And, uh, and he's like, you got to watch this show. And so we turn on Netflix, and we watch Invader Zim. And and it was about uh, aliens who come to invade Earth, and one alien is just like, it's one lousy alien. They send him to Earth to just get rid of him, and he thinks he's the invasion, and he, uh, and he lands, uh, pretends to be human. Yeah. Basically, the exact show that we came up with. <laughs> oh. I'm like, oh, man, they finally did our idea. And then I looked it up on IMDb. That show's 10 years old. Wow. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> out there before we came up with our idea. Yeah. yeah. But we had no knowledge of it. Somehow out in the zeitgeist. Exactly. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think you're right. I think it's a uh, fan de siècle. I'll, I'll throw that out there because oh, we're bilingual man, up here in man. Canada. Yeah, the fan de siècle. Yeah, yeah. Huge up here. Huge. Yeah, huge. <laughs> so how does the? Let me ask how the show works technically because uh, I know you guys are improvising, but you've got sound effects and you've got some music elements. Are those laid in afterwards, or do they actually happen during the course of the show? Uh, for the uh, for the studio uh, sh- recordings, uh, yeah. which uh, studio is. Here at least we're, we're coming to you from Illusionoid Laboratories right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, for those shows, we straight up just improvise and record it, and then we add the music and sound effects after the fact. Uh, when we do them live at Comedy Bar or anywhere else, uh, we have um, uh, iPad loaded up with all of our sound effects on a little app called Sound Slate, and our uh, musician Jay McCarroll, uh, who was part of the Second City Touring Company up until most recently, he uh, he sits there with that iPad ready to go, just to you know fire off those sound effects as needed. Uh, we'll usually say this one will be, we'll do the first one will be underwater something, and then we'll load up all underwater sound effects, and Jay has a heyday with it. Uh, okay. So also for the live show, we occasionally get uh, Bob Durkatch who was the music director for Second City here in Toronto for a long time and does a lot of the live Who's Line touring shows now. Oh, okay. uh, 
Bob uh, has built his own theremin and yes. offered to bring it to our shows. He built that? Yeah, yeah. he made it's a kit. Wow. You buy a theremin anymore. You have to buy a theremin kit. So Bob built his and painted it and That's has awesome. And yeah. every time he <laughs> tricked it out a little more, like he's got the theremin set up and now he's got it all running through an iPad full of effects like you would a guitar, and then he's got a foot pedal. Wow. <laughs> set up and Bob's amazing. He's a, he's a mad genius. He's uh, the Bob Peter Frampton of Theremin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. I think I heard that live show uh, that uh, you guys did from the Condor Bar and the last one you guys had up, and it uh, it came off pretty well, I thought. Yeah, the live shows yeah. go really well. People really like them. Uh, in fact, we just got written up as uh, our show in March that we did, our li- li- live show, and we put that one up too. Uh, just got listed uh, as one of the top ten comedy shows in Toronto this year. Oh, good for you guys. That's great. It was nice to get that notice. Uh, we've got a lot of like you know really great fans who come out and support what we do. So it's it's always nice to do the live shows and uh, let people see like you know pull back the curtain a little bit and see how a podcast gets made. Yeah, their favorite thing is how much we crack up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's funny. We yeah. we enjoy each other so much. It's it's hard to actually hold it together a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know if this um, if your uh, deal comes together for the Improv Festival next year in or this year I guess in San Francisco. <laughs> Uh, I'd love to work with you guys to try and get your book to a theater just across the bridge here uh, where we do comedy every Tuesday night and uh, it'd be great to have you guys there do a night and I couldn't guarantee this but one of the regular drop-ins there is Robin Williams Oh, very cool. Wow. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. Well, San Francisco's his haunt, right? He, he dropped in Second City once while I was on stage there. It was awesome. Uh, yeah, he used to drop in on my improv group at the Punchline here in San Francisco all the time. This was back in the 80s. And uh, that's when he was completely unbridled. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know those days. I used to listen to uh, Reality What a Concept, that, oh, yeah. uh, that album, man. I, used to, I, played it, I played it out. I wore that album out, but it was so great. It was so yeah. great. Um, so let's see, what, uh, what do you guys do individually when you're not part of, uh, the illusionoid, uh, experience? Ah, I like, I like that. Uh, well, you know, it's, it's kind of like working as an actor up here in Toronto. It's like you pick up the jobs where you can, auditioning for commercials, movies, TV, uh, you know, whatever's going around, you go out for it. And, you know, luckily, having been associated with the Second City for a while, they have kind of a business end that they go and do, like, you know, teaching stuff and, uh, you know, performing corporate, as Nug was mentioning earlier. So pick that up on occasion as well. So it's just moving ahead. You know, we'd love to see Illusionoid. You know, coalesce into something that was, uh, you know, either a, a TV project or, you know, an online project, something else that takes it to the next level where just more people can get exposed to it because we have so much fun with it and everyone who listens to it just, you know, thinks it's a great thing to uh, to hear. What do you well, do, Paul? Uh, Paul Bates. Uh, Paul Bates uh, likes to... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Always talks about himself in yeah, the third person. Always, this is, yeah. It's a little annoying. That, <laughs> coupled with his time issues. <laughs> I just watched uh, I just watched Boardwalk Empire uh, episode one of season three and oh. uh, George Reed makes me laugh so have you watched that show uh there's a guy who yeah. always refers to himself in the third person yeah <laughs> anyways uh, uh i uh yeah i act uh, uh and i write but um lately i've been writing more than acting i uh i, t- I tend to do I, if i'm lucky I'm, i do get to do voiceovers for commercials and um uh but lately it's been uh, it's been mostly writing i was writing on a discovery channel show um it was kind of an un, 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 writing scripts for an unscripted show. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, like writing funny intros and jokes here and there, stuff like that. So cool. that's a lot of what I do. Uh, I'm, in, I'm in the same boat as these guys. As an actor, you go out for everything you can. I, I, 
I tend to pick up a little radio here and there. Um, in the fall, I did my first cartoon, uh, which premieres this week, actually tonight, on, right. on the Canadian Cartoon Network. It's a little show called Rocket Monkeys, about Fantastic. two monkeys that run a space station. And that's with uh, another guy's guest with us, Sean right? Cullen's on that show. Sean Cullen's on that Sean is one of the monkeys, and I'm not on every episode, but I play their mother. Oh, of course. <laughs> and I just this week did my first episode. I'll be an English-speaking voice on Beyblade, uh, oh, the wow. Japanese cartoon. I've yeah, done that. Good for you. Yeah, it's the best. Yeah, yeah. So that's the toy that became a TV show. Yeah, it's <laughs> exactly. Pops, you know, you yeah. the ripcord, and they go into the bowl, and one flies out. Yeah, that's yeah. The- with that gig is a dubbing gig, right? It's a Japanese cartoon that you have to dub the English lines for, and you have to match. You have to get the line in, the translation in, but you have to match the the, the movements of the mouth and, and get the time right. And sometimes uh, in the uh, and this is why those cartoons are like this. Sometimes the Japanese uh, 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 the Japanese lines uh, last longer than the than the uh, English lines, and so you have to come up with extra sounds at the end of your sentence. <laughs> Like that, you have to, you have to throw it in uh, as you go, and it's just—it's a, a ridiculous job. Yeah, it's—it's it's really fun. And then uh, I, uh, for a couple of years here in town, I did a, a live stage show of the Evil Dead musical. Oh yeah. And uh, and then the writers of that have been uh, have created a, uh, a show, a live stage show based on the 1968 Night of the Living Dead. Oh and nice. It's going up in April, uh, end of April, and uh, it looks like I'm going to be involved in that, that's, too. That's so. awesome, man. Fantastic. And, and Nug and I just uh, improvised in the live improvised Game of Thrones show here in Toronto. <laughs> that's fantastic. Robert Baratheon, yeah. and uh, I did a special guest appearance as the boar that kills him. <laughs> he played the whole thing as Ricardo Montalban as Khan. Fantastic. Yeah. Who then? I had a, uh, I don't know, like a fur thing that I just clasped here with my shirt. <laughs> so <laughs> nice. Yeah, it, sounds, it sounds like you guys are having way too much fun in Toronto. Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. If any of it pays, we'll let you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, Paul was, you were Jamie McAllister last season. I was Jamie, Jamie, Jamie Lannister. Lannister Jamie, Jamie Lannister, yeah. yeah, McAllister. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jamie McAllister. <laughs> Illegitimate son. There's a lot of bastards in that series. This was my line in, uh, in, uh, in, in Jamie Lannister. I said, Jamie Lannister! Sister fucking Kingslayer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, it seems you know, uh, listening to Illusionoid, it seems like you guys could uh, have a little bit of that uh, Ricky Gervais treatment of having it animated after the fact, which would be an interesting way to uh, spin that show off. I would, yeah, that. I would really yeah. like to. Uh, I know, um, a, uh, not necessarily a, a studio of people, but I know there's an animation. There's a couple of animation schools here in Toronto, and I'd like to just hand them our raw audio and just say, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, Kurt Furlow, this is uh, Kurt Furlow, who's a really amazing animator. Uh, I was said he might know some people too. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll work on that. I think that's, that's kind of what we've all sort of envisioned. Cause it's, uh, like adding the audio element has been a blast because you can create this kind of world, you know, when you're, we're sitting up here in my, uh, you know, my attic recording this thing. <laughs> yeah. Just leave pauses and try to imagine as, as much as we can what's happening. And then Nug or Paul will go back and add the sound effects to support that. But to add a visual element, it seems like the next next step, obviously. Yeah. And I, so will you now that you've got a Mac. Yeah, I you do. can do it yeah. now, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just around the corner, boys. Yeah. Uh, there's an old uh, Canadian television show, uh, which I think you can find bits of it on YouTube, called uh, The Hilarious House of Frightenstein. Oh, man. And... <laughs> One guy, one actor named Billy Van, who was like one of the 
crew of actors on like the Sonny and Cher show. Yeah, yeah. He was every character on this show. So it was like a haunted house and he played the witch and he played the wolfman, he played the vampire, yeah. he played the scary librarian. And uh, they they would do a day of, I'm, we're going to shoot Billy as the witch today and then tomorrow will be the wolfman. <laughs> and they would cut it all up and they would all the characters would be on every show. They'd have little segments. And then they would transition between them all with Vincent Price doing <laughs> Vincent Price was the connective tissue on this show. It was the one of the creepiest shows I can remember from being a kid. It was supposed to be hilarious, House of Fright and Stuff, but I thought it was horrifying. Yeah, it was <laughs> creepy. The librarian character was so scary because he was old, like he was a million years yeah. old. He'd crack open these dusty books and he would read the three little pigs in the scariest way. Yeah, yeah. And then look at the camera and go, Are you frightened? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what's the uh, sort of most amazing reaction you guys have had to the show so far in terms of somebody paying attention to you guys? Uh, for me, it's, uh, it's when we get messages either on Twitter or on the website, and it's from some guy say, oh, man, I, ri I listened to your show on my way to work on, on the Brooklyn train or whatever, you know, and yeah. just knowing that there's people in other cities uh, who are into the podcast, and that's the best thing about podcasts for me is like, there's people all over the world that can listen, and uh, uh, and it just it just makes me feel good to uh, you know to know that we have an audience all over the place. I think it's amazing, and the people and what I love is people have discovered it. It's not like just our friends listening. In fact, it's none of our friends. <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely the world of podcasting. My, my story is, like, we've been doing this for almost two years now, yeah. and just over Christmas, somebody went, oh, I finally downloaded and listened to all your episodes. Oh, my God, it's so great. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I had assumed you were listening the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've had messages from guys, like, in Reykjavik, like Iceland or Finland, yeah. uh, with these names that are just a string of consonants. Uh, saying that, uh, you know, I love your podcast and getting these comments. And it's just fantastic. As Paul said, the reach, you know, the global reach is amazing. You know, the potential audience is huge. And it's just yeah. a matter of sort of cutting through the, the noise that is, you know, how much media people have access to and saying, you know, this is something that's, uh, that's worthwhile. It's funny. It's a funny 20 minutes, you know. And the, and the, uh, the online reach is really fun. Uh, I ended up doing a gig uh, in March uh, in Vegas and met uh, uh, Mike Furman and Paul and Storm. Oh, okay, great. Who are now friends of mine from that gig, and uh, we talk online frequently. And uh, Furman's on board with doing a show. I know Paul and Storm would love to do one. And those guys all do Thrilling Adventure Hour, which is such an awesome oh, show. Right, yeah. I'm yeah. in contact with uh, Matt from Super Ego and I you know we've talked about let's get them up here let's you know see if we can get them to Toronto and doing a show mm -hmm. so the I like that we have this weird even though it's international there's this nice podcaster community that's like yeah. I listen to yours you listen to mine we should talk we should do this I should do your podcast we should and just yeah. it just expands the listening audience for your show cross pollination thank you can I say that I said fantasy Eklo already so I've blown that one <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm finally getting a chance to see the thrilling adventure hour they're going to do a sketch fest later this month so I'm going to go see them live uh, but uh, I had uh, Ben Blacker on the show a few episodes ago and uh, of course they're an amazing production. Yeah, oh man, they their stuff is great. I, I imagine they do the same thing with sound effects. Theirs is all scripted, though, so they know what to use. We just have to hope that we've got the right ones loaded in the program. Seriously, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Certain stings we use quite a bit. Yeah, but, uh, it's nice. Yeah, it's awesome though. Like I love like Nug, Nug has managed to put together a pretty amazing collection of sound effects. But uh, but it's it's it's. Uh, 
it's for me it's just like it's an amazing part of the creative process where you don't wind up with what you imagined you have to you have to creatively use what you have and so it's it's uh it's come up with some cool choices in terms of music and uh and sounds yeah absolutely yeah yeah and, and sort of elevating too because there's a, always a, a dicey thing about improvisation and you'll know this it doesn't often translate to other media live it's a it's a certain kind of experience people love it because it's a high wire act yeah. whenever i've seen trying to translate it to television. It's obviously been a game thing, like whose line is it anyway, but long form stuff just doesn't take off because people they expect something else when they see a, a show on TV. They expect scripted beats and things like that and a tight resolution. So what we've managed to do with this podcast is sort of arbitrarily impose a, a structure, as you talked about, on it after the fact with music and sound effects. So it sounds like those are the things we intended when we never really intended them at all, but it sort of is a kind of a sleight of hand that it actually makes it something that is sounds produced and packaged when it was really on the fly. So it has the best of both worlds, really. So what you guys are, have really done is created a uh, reality TV show. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly what Paul was talking about. Yeah, finding those elements. Yeah, more than you know. All this will happen. This is, the, <laughs> this is all messages from the future. This is all yeah, happened. This is yeah. the new Mayan prophecy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's great. Um, well, I'm looking forward to see where Illusionode will take us in the future or in the past. I get mixed about those things. <laughs> and uh, oh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, no, I was going to say, uh, so do we. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And thanks, thanks for doing the interview. This is fantastic. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And uh, uh, as soon as you guys are going to down here for sure in San Francisco, let me know because I would love to set up some shows with you. Oh, That'd absolutely. Of course. Mark, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Terrific. You guys have a great time, and uh, we'll see you next time we play a clip. Will it be uh, right now, actually? Oh, right, right. Wow, Excellent. Wait. I so, hope it's one about dragons that we just do in five minutes. Oh, that would be fitting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, guys, take it easy. And All right. uh, Smart. happy new year to you. Happy, happy new, new year, year, man. Take it easy. I'm just trying to put my finger on the smell I'm getting from under that door. Yeah, it's seeping out. It's sulfury? Musky, sulfurous. Are you guys smelling me before I come in there? Um, wouldn't you? Well, you make a good point. Yeah. Well, he knows he smells. Yeah, he seems okay to me. He seems like just a guy, you know, who just wants out of you, that room. Are you are you initiating first contact? I guess I am. All right, here I come. Doors unlocked. you before but you in can't storybooks you can't be real right you are from earth well, yeah we're from earth yeah absolutely i and my people have been to your planet before you have yes many years ago when your buildings were made of stone and it had tall towers and you walked around wearing metal you're talking about bangkok right no before bangkok we're bangkok oh uh He's talking about the Middle Ages. Are you talking about the ancient past? Ancient England? Yes. Medieval times? Yes, we put some stones down so we knew where we'd land. Was it henge-shaped? 
Yes. I think we is talking about stone. Yes. Oh my god. It was shaped like a hinge. Good work. Well, I, so that's where we knew to land. So we'd been there before, and my people went all across this England and made homes and. But people feared us because of our appearance, and now we have word from your planet that none of us are left. I'm just gonna go out on a limb. Are your people called the Eng? No, we're called dragons. Oh, fuck. Dragons? Because I was going for England. Oh, eh, yeah. Oh, no, it was called that before we ever got there. Oh, oh, oh I, wow. I didn't know that. Fair okay. enough. You know, I mean, I just don't know. I'm not a historian. I'm not a historian, No, no, okay? he's an olfactorologist. Olfactorologist and mainly a glyphologist. Yeah, I was only minored in olfactorology. Yeah, true, and I just make sandwiches. Yeah, so and me, I, mean, what I just look into rocks. Perhaps you could help me. I feel that part of the problem of my people is that we not only are very physically imposing and scary looking, but that we don't smell too good. If you're an olfactorologist, perhaps you could help us out. Rex, help him. Well, I mean, I can smell him. I can't... I mean, I'm not a hygienist. No, but you could maybe tell him what other things to wear to cancel out the smells. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Because every positive smell has a negative corollary. You can neutralize the smell of the dragon. Rex, oh. come on. Okay. Come on. Rex. Look, we're counting on you. Rex, come on. Okay, if I, if I do this for you... Yeah. If I do this for you, dragon... Yes? Do you have a name, Dragon? Dave. Dave! Dave, if I do this for you, will you turn your ship around? Your ship is, is hurtling towards our planet, and it's going to destroy it if it crashes into it at this velocity. But I am coming to your planet to repopulate the dragons. Alone? Don't you need a... Now, I don't know what you are. I'm a female dragon. You're a female dragon. Wow. Named Dave. Well, I could have... You know what? I kind of guessed that by the gigantic pendulous breasts you have. Tune your time radios to Illusionoid.com, iTunes, or Stitcher to grab those transmissions. And thank you again, guys, from, from the Illusionoid for that interview. Our ambassador to the middle, Will Durst, veers off the political track for a bit and focuses on tattoos. Does their increasing appearance spell something significant for our society? Hmm? Hey, guys. Will Durst here to point out the generational sea change we witnessed at the Golden Globe Awards. Happened when creator, writer, and star of HBO's Girls, Lena Dunham, teetered to the stage, sporting a full repertoire of tattoos, leaking out of her ball gown in front of a worldwide audience. These weren't discreet little ankle hearts or a barbed wire bracelet across a fashionable wrist, either. Big, bold tats. One was a two-house homage to the children's book heroine, Eloise, spanning the width of the actress's back. And on her upper right arm, Ferdinand the Bull in a field of flowers. Now, my generation dabbled with tattoos, but generally considered them the realm of sailors, rock stars, Maori tribesmen, and Dennis Rodman. Hell, most baby boomers won't even put stickers on their laptops. But every generation needs to physically differentiate itself, and long hair was already taken. So the kids are using piercings and tats as their ticket to Hipster City. And right now, we find ourselves deep in the middle of huge tattoo escalation. Tattoos in places and quantities previously unheard of. Neck and face and forehead tattoos. Complicated sleeves and full-body tats. Not sure youth is prepared for possible complications ahead. For instance, are they aware how the canvas deteriorates and changes shape? That cute little butterfly is destined to someday grow up to be a pterodactyl. In 30 years, the houses on Lena's back could look like they were hit by a neutron bomb and melted. Also, you're not going to spend the rest of your life in jeans and a hoodie, so we got that to look forward to. 
On formal occasions, from now on, we'll be treated to the sight of three-color mushroom clouds rising out of the smaller backs, and laughing skulls, popping wheelies, and motorcycles made out of marijuana smoke. Then, of course, there's the problem of having a lover's name memorialized. Wonder how often Billy Bob Thornton sees Brad Pitt and asks, Hey, how's my name holding up? For Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast, I'm Will Durst. More Durst can be yours at willdurst.com. Also follow him on Twitter at Will Durst. That is going to do it, I believe, for Epi 48. I want to thank the Illusionoid boys for spending time to chat with us. Thank you for spending the time to listen. And thank me for taking the time to pull all of this together. Remember, boys and girls, if there's a favorite comedy podcast that you listen to but have not heard us feature on this show, drop me a line at mark, M-A-R-C, at succotashshow.com and let me know. You can also call into our Succotash hotline and leave us a message. That number is area code 818-921-7212. And if you are a comedy podcaster and would like us to feature a clip from your show, you can send us a three to five minute MP3 clip to clips at succotashshow.com. Like us on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, thumb up us. <laughs> I can never get past that without laughing. Thumb up us on Stitcher and retweet us at Succotash Show. And good God Almighty, do not forget, if nothing else, to pass the Succotash. You've been listening to Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants. And imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuckatashShow.com or at Suckatash Show on iTunes and even at Suckatash Show on your smartphone Stitcher app. Follow Suckatash on Twitter at Suckatash Show. Friend Suckatash on Facebook. Email us at marc at succotashshow.com or just pick up that phone and give Succotash a ring at 1-818-921-7212. Succotash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino at Studio P. Sausalito, home of the hit. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please... Pass the succotash. It's summertime, and I cannot help myself from buying all the fresh produce of summer. So tonight, I'm going to make a delicious succotash with chicken. It's going to have tomatoes, corn, zucchini, all the flavors of summer. So to get started, I'm going to cut up some zucchini. Dice up the zucchini. The zucchini are the first ingredient that goes into the succotash and starts cooking first. But before I do that, I'm going to cut up some tomatoes to make a little tomato salad to go with. So I have three large tomatoes. Remove the core. You might want to use a slightly less dangerous method than that. Perhaps use a paring knife and then cut them into wedges. At this time of year, there's really nothing that you need to do to a tomato to make it taste good. Well, actually, there's two things you need to do. Salt and olive oil, that's it. Everything else is done for you by nature. That's what makes them so fantastic. Before I go to the stove and start cooking, I'm just gonna shred up some chicken. You need about two cups of shredded chicken. It can be breast or thigh, whatever you like. Dark meat, light meat. All right, everything else I need to do, I need to do back at the stove. So, see you later, front counter. So add a tablespoon of oil to a hot pan. Zooks go straight in there and they cook for about four minutes. Just let them start cooking and go over here and uh, prep some other stuff. <laughs> what other stuff, you ask? 
corn. The main ingredient. Three ears of corn. Slice down the cob with a really sharp knife. Corn is flying everywhere. It really is messy. There's really no way around it. So add the corn. It's about two, two and a half cups. And two cups of lima beans. If you don't like lima beans, use green beans. I do that all the time. Salt. You have to have zucchini, corn, and beans to make a succotash. That's the classic combo. While that's heating, I'm gonna cut up some avocado. Another one of my favorite foods. Make everything taste better. Yielding to the touch, no brown spots. Fantastic. Just before serving, I'm gonna crumble some of this farmer's cheese on top and we're good to go. The chicken just goes in just to heat through. Like I said, mine was already warm, so it shouldn't take much. In fact, I'm gonna turn it off right now get myself a plate and get ready to eat. I'm just gonna take a small plate for now. A little bit of this. Mmm, mm, yay. A little bit of avocado. A little or a lot, depending on your liking. I'm a bit of an avocado addict. So, some tomatoes. All right, I admit it, my plate's a little too small. I was underestimating how much I wanted. <laughs> then some cheese. Farmer's cheese is such a great, light, fresh cheese. There we go, beautiful and fresh. Delightful in summary, summary succotash with chicken. I highly recommend you give this recipe a try. I like it.